What's up, Raleigh and the Triangle? We are back with another edition of What Are You Listening To? Right now, I've got Colin Kesey, who is our After Hours Music Director. So, Colin, what you got for us? I've been listening to a lot of Sporting Life and Lee Bannon. Sporting Life is actually, or both artists, Lee Bannon and Sporting Life, are electronic musician artists, sort of ambient street noise sort of stuff. But it's really interesting because they were, they're both natural hip-hop producers. Sporting Life is the producer for Rat King, and Lee Bannon has actually produced a lot of pro-era tracks like Joey Badass and Kirk Knight and them guys, all them guys. And that sort of made me start re-listening to artists like Kanye West and Travis Scott and really focusing on the interplay between production of electronic music itself and just hip-hop. Do you think artists who are also the producer, do you think they end up having more leeway to do what they want to do? I think there's a lot of aspects to it. I think if you create a project by yourself, say like Earl Sweatshirt on his newer album, he produced the whole thing, so his body of work. But then you have other things where it's your traditional band, where it, what makes it beautiful is the interplay between different musicians. So it's sort of like apples to apples to me. And I just think it's cool to see these people who, in hip-hop, producers are usually behind the rappers, and to see these guys who I really like and I've listened to for years putting out really, really cool solo stuff. Definitely. So these people are from New York. Yep. Actually, both of them are from New York, Brooklyn, I believe. Does that influence their music style at all? Or It's interesting because it influences their hip hop production, but not necessarily their electronic music. Lee Bannon's production is pro era, which sounds like 90s hip hop, just like in our generation's time. And then Rat King is really noisy. They have like subway sounds as samples and you just feel like you're in New York when you listen to that. But I think... um. Sporting Life, at least, has been spending a lot of time in London, and he's actually been touring with Jamie XX, and so he's picking up on all these other influences. So it's really cool to see both of them growing in that sense. And I, I really, really, really am excited to see how that's going to translate back into Rat King and Joey Badass's future work. Yeah. Are they coming out with new stuff anytime soon? I know Sporting Life is releasing a his album, 55 Fives, I think, I want to say September 18th or September 8th or something. So soon. Lee Bannon just dropped his album at the beginning of this month, I believe. And I can't quite remember the name, but it's, it's definitely worth checking out. It's on Spotify. It's, it's on Bandcamp. It's on the iTunes. It's on all the things. Everything. All right. Thanks, Colin. You're welcome. Have a great day. Bye-bye. All right. Now I got Kevin, and Kevin is the music director at WKNC. Indeed, I am the music director. For daytime. All right, Kev, what you listening to? I'm listening to a bunch of good stuff. Recently, La Luz has been a big hit for my ear. Really enjoying it. In Spanish, their name means the light, and then they have a song called I Saw the Light. So let's like jokes on jokes and I don't know how to explain it. It's very intricate and it's got booming drums and it's an all girl band as well. And I'm pretty sure they might all be Hispanic and I'm Hispanic. So, you know, hey. connections. Yep. So after that one, I'm really into the Tim and Paula album. It's been out for a while, but I still can't drop it. It's so good. It sounds just like Tim and Paula. 
And then another one, last one, Tearjerker. Oh yeah, I love Tearjerker. So it's basically like really spacey stuff, almost shoegazy, but a little less noisy and a little- Explain what shoegazy means, just for anyone who doesn't know. Oh yeah, so sh- I guess I don't even know what shoegaze is. A lot of people don't, <laughs> don't know that people just say shoegaze, but it's a lot of reverb, a lot of sonic noise, just compressed. It's just a lot of a lot of different sounds at okay. the same time and intergalactic and like sonic. I don't know. I don't know how to explain it, but it's very dreamy. That's good enough. I think that, I think that gets it. Okay. So do you have anything else for me? Yeah. I mean, just tune into WKNC. I am the music director. So almost everything you hear on it is something I have. No, I'm not going to say all, everything, but probably half of, of the stuff is something I've been through. Music I love. So if you love the radio station, you love me, which is really cool. I guess I love you, (laughs) Ken. Okay. Well, thanks for talking. No problem, man. Cool. Support your student radio station. We rock. WKNC 88.1. All right. I found a different column this time. So, Colin, what have you been listening to? Since I'm the jazz guy, I don't really get to dabble in all the indie rock that everyone else gets to. So, the big hot things this week have been Gregory Porter, the songwriter, the singer-songwriter. And I've been really getting back into Diana Krall. I always forget that she's married to Elvis Costello. She's she's way too gorgeous for him. It's ridiculous. Uh, And the other big one this week has been the AJ Gint Band, who usually plays Shikori Hills in the fall and the spring. But we got a new disc into the radio station, and it's absolutely phenomenal. Okay, so wait, are these local then? Are some of them local? Uh, AJ Gint plays local, but he is not local. Gregory Porter is from Harlem, and Diana Krall, I I don't know where she's from anymore. She's all over the place. Probably New York, if I had to put money on it. I know with underground music, like rap and hip hop, it kind of goes per area, what it sounds like. Is that the same with jazz? It's jazz is a little different because people don't really stick with the same band over and over and over. It's it's actually really surprising for one artist to stay in the same band for more than six months to a year. There are the occasional few, like the Messengers and Pat Metheny's group and a few others like that, where they perform together for a lifetime. But most people come together for a project over a few days or a few weeks or maybe a few months, tops. And that's, that's it. That's all you see. So a lot of jazz musicians are ridiculously diverse. There's uh, one of my favorite trumpet players, Roy Hargrove. He does a lot of bebop in his early days, like traditional, what you would think, really boring, long-winded jazz. But more recently, he's done some ridiculous hip-hop and R&B grooves with some rap over the top of it, and somehow it's still considered jazz. It gets reviewed by jazz magazines. That's cool. Yeah, the artists in the jazz world, they are definitely the most diverse of any genre, having to play in as many styles as they can, primarily just because it's the 1% in a bad way. It's the 1% that people listen to according to like music sales or something like that last year. So it's really unpopular. So you got to be really good when you're unpopular. I guess Kendrick Lamar's new album was sort of jazz-influenced, basically. Oh, absolutely. It was received by the jazz community really, really, really well. Anthony Hamilton, who was a co-worker on that album, actually just played at the Art of Cool Festival in Durham just a little while ago. And Lamar has got... His album gets played on so many, so many jazz stations. I don't think I've played him here at WKNC, but I'm sure I would get yelled at if I did. (laughs) 
It's a little too big, a little too popular for us. Mm -hmm, absolutely. But it's still good. doesn't mean he's not good. Oh, yeah. D'Angelo runs into the same problem. D'Angelo's got some really great stuff that a lot of jazz up-and-coming artists will consider part of the jazz world, but I think the majority of people would say it's not. Do you have a specialty show here? Yeah, I do. I absolutely do. It's The Crypt on Sundays from 9 to 10 in the morning. I've been running that for three years now, and I think two years prior to that, I was at three other stations, so The Crypt's going into its fourth or fifth year, something like that. Nice. Oh yeah, I love doing it. It's only one hour. Who else wants to wake up at nine in the morning on a Sunday? Not not most people, just the jazz guys in the church crowd. <laughs> Whatever you can get. Oh yeah. Jazz is nice. Oh, I love it. Yeah. I wouldn't I wouldn't have committed my whole time to it if it wasn't amazing. All right. Well thanks Colin. Thanks for coming in. And no problem. I'm Kevin Cronk and this has been another edition of What Are You Listening To? Only on Eye on the Triangle. For the weather, today we had mostly sunny skies with highs in the upper 80s. Wednesday and Thursday will continue this streak with partly sunny skies and high humidity. The temperature is expected to remain in the lower 90s. Friday, the approach of a cold front may trigger scattered thunderstorms during the afternoon and evening. Highs will be in the upper 80s to lower 90s. Saturday, the temperature is expected to cool down with highs in the mid-80s and another chance for showers and thunderstorms. That was it for the weather this week. I'm Jasmine Smith with Eye on the Triangle. This is the News Beyond the Headlines, and I'm Saif Hassan. One National Guard member has been killed and over 100 injured in violent protests outside Ukraine's parliament, according to the Interior Ministry. Clashes between nationalists and riot police erupted after MPs gave initial backing to reforms for more autonomy in the rebel-held East. Some, some in the crowd lobbed what police said were live grenades at officers protecting parliament. The reforms are part of a peace plan to end fighting in eastern Ukraine. The Ukrainian president, Petro Poroshenko, said the violence was a stab in the back. Protesters, led by the populist radical party and the ultra-nationalist Soboda Freedom Party, who oppose any concession to the Russian-backed separatists, gathered outside parliament early on Monday. After a rowdy debate, 265 MPs out of 450 backed the first reading of the decentralization bill, granting more powers to the areas of Donetsk and Luhansk. The demonstrators numbered barely more than a few dozen, mainly young men, most of them masked. They started the fights with police, but others supported them. The protesters tried to pull the policemen away from their lines. They beat them and took their shields and helmets. Some 30 people have been detained, including a Sabota member who confessed to throwing a grenade. Of the 122 people hospitalized, more than 11 were in critical condition. Almost 7,000 people have died since the conflict in eastern Ukraine broke out in March 2014 after Russia's annexation of the Ukrainian peninsula of Crimea. Pushing through much greater autonomy for the rebel-held areas is a key part of the Minsk peace deal, originally signed in February. During the summer, fighting between Ukrainian army forces and the rebels has escalated, but the two sides agreed last week to halt the violence on September 1st, the day children in the region return to school. Although the number of ceasefire violations appears to have fallen in recent days, OSCE monitors have warned that neither side was respecting the truce. Under the draft constitutional changes going through Parliament, there will be a special law covering local government in rebel-held areas. 
In a national address late on Monday, President Poroshenko said if the proposals had been voted down, Ukraine would be left one-to-one -one against the aggressor. The reforms must still pass a second reading, which correspondents say will be a tall order for the Ukrainian leader. In India, a scholar whose criticism of idol worship had angered religious groups was fatally shot Sunday, the police said. The killing of the scholar, Professor Kalborgi, drew immediate comparisons to the 2013 murder of Dr. Narendra Dabolkar, who spent decades debunking gurus, sorcerers, healers, and godmen. Two men entered the home of Mr. Kalborgi on a Sunday morning, opened fire, and fled on a motorcycle, according to Officer Prasad, the police commissioner in Darwad. The police said they did not yet know the motive behind the killing. Mr. Kalborgi, a professor at Kannada University in northern Karnataka, became the target of protests and threats last year when he spoke out against idol worship and superstition at a public event. A religious activist filed a complaint in June of last year accusing him of offending religious sentiments, according to Hindustan Times. In 1989, Mr. Kalvurgi angered some followers of the Lingayat Hindu sect over his assessment in a scholarly work of the sect's founder. As the criticism escalated to denunciations and then threats, Mr. Kalvurgi eventually renounced his findings. However, according to the International Business Times, an Indian publication, Mr. Kalvurgi said at the time, I did it to save the lives of my family, but I also committed intellectual suicide on that day. The commissioner said that Mr. Kalborgi had refused police protection altogether. After being told that a neighbor had seen officers keeping watch over the home anyways, Mr. Prasad refused further comment. No one has been charged with the murder. I'm Saif Hassan, and this has been your news beyond the headlines. Welcome to On This Day in History. On this day in 1864, Union Army General William Sherman laid siege to Atlanta, Georgia, a critical Confederate hub, shelling civilians and cutting off supply lines. The Confederates retreated, destroying the city's munitions as they went. Shortly afterwards, Sherman's troops burned much of the city before continuing their march through the South. Sherman's Atlanta campaign was one of the most decisive victories of the Civil War. It was a pivotal event of Sherman's march to the sea, a month-long campaign of total war in the South which would ultimately lead to the defeat of the Confederacy. Also in war history, on this day in 1939, Germany began its invasion of Poland. This invasion was known as Blitzkrieg, or lightning warfare. Blitzkrieg was a uniquely German way of warfare in which the Axis powers would invade a country at a complete surprise and progress through it as fast as possible in order to prevent any form of counterattack. This invasion of Poland would ultimately be the beginning of World War II. 73 years after it sunk to the North Atlantic Ocean floor, a joint U.S.-French expedition located the wreck of the RMS Titanic. The sunken liner was, was about 400 miles east of Newfoundland in the North Atlantic. This expedition was led by American Robert D. Ballard. He used an unmanned submersible developed by the U.S. Navy to search for the ocean liner. This device, known as Argo, traveled just above the ocean floor, sending photographs up to the research vessel known as NOR. This event would change the landscape of ocean exploration for many years to come, setting a precedent for unmanned machine exploration. On this day in 1902, A Trip to the Moon was released. Believed to be the first proper science fiction film, George Milley's silent masterpiece told the tale of an early fictional exploration of the moon and its following consequences. The film would allow for massive creative freedom in the film media and usher in an era of imagination. If anyone is interested, the film is available on Netflix in both black and white and color. It is worth a watch, if I do say so myself. On this day in 1952, 
Ernest Hemingway's The Old Man in the Sea was put into print. The short story tells of a boy's relationship with an old fishing boat captain in his tales at sea. Many believe it to be Ernest Hemingway's most famous novel and quite possibly his best. At only 127 pages, this, this heart-wrenching tale accomplishes more than most books do in any number of pages. Hemingway wrote this novel based on his extensive experience with fishing and his own relationships throughout his life. 